Well, um, uh, just by sort of way of recap, if you have a look down at the, um, at the chapter, you can see it's in three sections. There's three headings there. Uh, section verses 1 to 11, the resurrection of Christ. And in that section we looked at a few weeks ago, it's all about the fact that Jesus Christ, the, the gospel is that Christ died and was raised from the dead and appeared to witnesses. And then what happens in the rest of the chapter is he begins to anticipate possible objections which people might have to this belief in the resurrection of the dead. So the the remaining two sections are uh, anticipating objections. So look at verse 12. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So some people in Corinth to whom Paul was writing this letter, was saying, well, no, we don't believe it. How can, uh, how can there be a resurrection of the dead? We don't believe in it. And so Paul says, well, actually, this is so important, belief in the resurrection of the dead. This is not some sort of optional, peripheral belief. This is absolutely foundation central um, to the Christian faith. And he says, if you remove this piece, well, the whole thing is going to collapse. Verse 17, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. It's rather strong medicine, isn't it? He says there's no point being a Christian if Jesus Christ hasn't raised from the dead, no point in having any faith. Uh, you're still in your sins, verse 17. Um, so there's no forgiveness of sins if the resurrection never happened. No faith, no forgiveness, and no future, verse 18. Those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. So he says, actually, if you don't believe in the resurrection to this church in Corinth, actually the whole of Christianity is going to fall apart. But now what happens is we come to this section in verse 35, another anticipation, uh, another objection is anticipated because he says, but someone will ask, verse 35, how? How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? This is a question about practicalities and logistics. And actually, how is this possible? It's not so much in the first objection, it's I can't believe in the resurrection. Now in this section, it's I can't imagine it. How can it be possible? It's not so much that it's unbelievable, it's that it's inconceivable. I mean, if we actually are honest with ourselves, if we think of the day of the resurrection when the Lord returns and there's going to be the resurrection of the dead, how's that going to work? What's that going to be like? It's going to be like, well, look like something out of a horror movie. Imagine all these bodies coming up out of the ground. And we've probably got one or two questions. Well, how, how's that going to happen? How are these bodies, what if... Um, the bodies have decomposed, haven't they? I mean, how are they going to sort of come back together? What about if somebody's had a limb amputated? How is that going to work? What if somebody's been uh, cremated? How's, how does that work? How does, that, how does the resurrection of the body happen there? Uh, how even can there be a body which is not going to uh, die? How can you have an immortal body? I mean, we know that our, our flesh is decaying, isn't it? Well, how can we have an immortal body that won't age what, what, what kind of uh, age will these resurrection bodies be? Will they, you know, if they're never going to age, does that mean time has stopped? Is the resurrection going to be whatever age we were when we died? That's how old we'll, our body will be fixed then at that age for eternity? Or will they be perfectly set at, you know, um, 36 years of age, the age when the human body has reaches its pinnacle, which is the age that I am? That's a joke. The, <laughs> 36 isn't necessarily the pinnacle of human existence. But, um, how, you know, if we're actually honest with ourselves... Quite a lot of questions about how. How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Well, if that's us this morning, Paul says, verse 36, (laughs) how foolish. How 
foolish to ask those questions. We think, well, hang on, that's a bit mean, isn't it, Paul, with your, uh, our questions? We've got these questions. How can you just say how foolish to ask them? Well, important to remember that the questions that Paul was coming up against weren't honest inquiry from those who were genuinely trying to grapple with the, the practicalities of faith. He was coming against people who were actually dismissing the idea out of hand. But look back at verse 12. These are people who are saying that Christ has not been raised from the dead. And so when they say in verse 35, well, how, with what kind of body? They're not going, well, how is that going to work? They're going, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body could that possibly take place? These are actually so sceptical. I mean, they're actually Greek, uh, in Greek thought, and Corinth was in Greece, they didn't even want the, re- the body to be resurrected. In Greek thought, the body was bad. Spiritual's good, earthly is bad. We're, they were all after life after death, but, um, but in a kind of disembodied spiritual existence because we're going to leave the body behind. And Paul comes along and says, no, the body's going to be resurrected. And they go, we don't, we don't want the body to be resurrected. So these are people who are really, really against the idea of the resurrection of the body. But so in coming back at their scepticism in quite strong terms, um, actually, if we listen in with our genuine inquiry about how is this going to work practically, hopefully we'll be helped with some of our questions as well. And what he says to them, he says a number of things, but I just want to focus on three. He says, if we're struggling to conceive of how the dead can be raised, he says, look to three things. One, look to creation. Two, look to the creator. And three, look to Christ. He says, look to creation, because he's going to give us a picture that will help us, that's actually in nature already, an allegory, an illustration. He says, look to the creator, the one who's actually made the creation in the first place. That will help us if we're struggling to get our heads around it. And thirdly, look to Christ, who has already been raised from the dead. So first of all, look to the creation. And he says, here's a picture, it's going to help us. The picture is of a seed. Have a look at verse 36. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. So Paul says, the body that we have now, that's going to be like a seed, and what grows is going to be like something else. So I thought I'd bring, just to help us this morning, here's a seed, I thought I'd bring one with me. Can you see that well? Are you impressed? That's a seed. Anyone know what that is? Anyone want to guess? No? Go on, have a... Mustard seed, no? Pumpkin, no? No? No, it's a beech nut. It's a beech nut. If you, if you um, come to our garden, which if you've never been to our garden, you're very welcome to come on the 1st of May. We're going to have a annual, our annual church meeting in here, and then afterwards we're going to have a barbecue in the rectory. We'll tell you a bit more about that close to the time. But if you want to come, you're very welcome to come. And if you do on the 1st of May, what you'll see in our garden is a humongous beech tree. It's, hu- it's glorious, it's powerful, it's majestic. And it came from that. Isn't that amazing? How, you, would, you couldn't believe that it was possible that something so amazing could come from something so ordinary. And, and Paul says, just look at that. That's actually, in nature, there's already something which is... If we're struggling to think, how can such a glorious body come from something so frail? He says, look at that. Imagine if I met an alien and who didn't know anything about botany or gardening, and I said, what do you think will happen if I put that in the ground and leave it in just the right conditions and so on? What will happen? He'll go, I imagine, probably nothing. It doesn't look very impressive. It's going to decompose and get eaten by worms. 
And I was going to have to say, no, <laughs> how foolish. Actually, this, from this can come something so amazing. And Paul's, the first thing he says, if someone's struggling to get our head around, how is this possible? He says, look to creation. Look, it's going to be like a seed. The body's going to be like a seed. In fact, the picture helps us with a number of questions that people have struggled with over the years. They've said, well, is it going to be this exact body that gets resurrected? This actual body? You know, is God going to somehow resuscitate this? You know, what if, uh, what if I've got some disability? Is that going to be resurrected? What if I've had a limb amputated or been cremated? What if I don't like my body? Is it going to be this exact body? Well, Paul said, no, verse 37. When you sow, you don't plant the body that will be, but a seed. So this, this body is not, it's not what's going to be. It's going to be, this is just a seed from which the body that we will have, the resurrection body, will grow. And that brings us to the second place that Paul tells us to look, verse 38. He says, look to the creator. Because, verse 38, God is going to give this seed a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. And if God determines to do something, we can believe that it will happen. And he says, look to the creator. Remember what kind of a designer it is that we're talking about. If we're struggling to get our heads around, how can there be a resurrection body? Well, Paul goes on. He says, verse 39, he starts talking about people and animals and birds and fish and the heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, the stars. What's he reminding us of? Animals, birds, fish, fowl, sun, moon, stars. It's Genesis 1, isn't it? He's taking us all the way back to the beginning and reminding us of creation. He said, don't you believe that God is the most amazing designer? He's the most wonderful creator. If we're struggling to think, how can there even be a body which is going to be immortal? Well, let's just remember what this wonderful creator has done in the first place. If we want something that's going to swim in the sea, God will make a fish. If we want something that's going to fly in the air, God can make a bird. I watched, um, I read a, 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 a biography of Wilbur and Orville Wright, the Wright brothers, who were the first people to make an aeroplane and fly in an aeroplane. What really amazed me about reading this story of how they came to do that is actually a a lot of people were trying to do that all at the same time. Around the world, lots of people trying to invent an aeroplane. A bit of a race. And everybody was there at their desk with their calculations and their charts trying to work out how can we make something that will fly. But that's not what Wilbur Wright did. He went outside, he spent hours with a pair of binoculars, marvelling at the birds. Look at them. How, how do they do it? It's already been done. The creator's already done it. And Paul reminds him, he says, look, not all flesh is the same. Birds. God has made the birds. Fish, another. He's made every kind of life appropriate for every kind of context. The heavenly bodies. I mean, if we need something that's going to light up the, uh, the, the day. He's made the sun in the sky. He's made the moon at night, the stars. So he's, this great designer God, he's not going to be flummoxed or stumped by some design constraint. He's not going to be caught out by some difficulty like trying to make an immortal body. Paul says, look to the creator. If he's done it before, he can do it again. And then the third thing he says is look to Christ. And in verses 42 to 44, he he paints a picture of the resurrection body that we're going to have by contrasting it with the bodies that we have now. He gives four contrasts. He says, the body we've got now is like this. The body we will have is like that. So verse 42, he says, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised 
imperishable. It's sown in dishonour, it's raised in glory. The resurrection body we have will be glorious. It's sown in weakness. Does anyone feel weak this morning? This feels particularly special to me, having been off for a week or so with COVID and just being reminded of all t- how weak the human body is and my own weakness, subject of get diseases and, and, and afflictions. The body that we have is, is sown in weakness, but it'll be raised in power. The body that we have will be powerful. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. Who's he describing? He's describing the Lord Jesus, isn't he? He goes on to extend the contrast, verse 45. So it's written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam, in other words, Jesus Christ, a life-giving spirit. Verse 47, the first man is of the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. We're like Adam, aren't we? We've got the same kind of body as Adam had, the first man. But as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, we're made in the image of Adam, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. He says, we're going to be like Jesus. He's the one who, if we're struggling to get our heads around, how can there be a resurrection body? He says, look to Jesus. He's the one who's already raised from the dead. The way it puts it in verse 20, going back to the picture of the seed, he says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So there's going to be this great harvest. All these seeds, all our bodies are going to go into the ground like seeds. There's going to be a great harvest, but there's already one crop plant that's flowering and flourishing and that's Jesus Christ he's already raised from the dead and when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians there were people around who were witnesses who'd seen this body that Jesus Christ had the first of a new kind of humanity who had been raised from the dead and they will be imperishable glorious powerful spiritual Important to note that he's not, when he says it's going to be a spiritual body, not a natural body, he's not saying it's going to be a non-physical body. I think sometimes people have gone, well, is, it, is the body that we're going to have, it's not going to be really sort of tangible, it's just going to be spiritual. No, it was a physical body that Jesus has when he was raised from the dead. And you go back and read the gospel accounts of when Jesus appeared, he, people did think he was a ghost. He appeared in a locked room, according to John's gospel. Twice he went into a locked room. So he wasn't constrained by physicality. And they thought, oh, is he a ghost? And he said, no, I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't have flesh and blood, as you see I have. Give me that piece of fish. He ate the fish to prove that he was a physical, real person. But he was the same, but he was different. He was transformed, and all the resurrection accounts say the same thing. None of them recognised him at first. They thought he was the gardener. They, they, but actually, then it, they realised oh, it was him, but he'd been transformed. And the most amazing bit of this description, I think, and this was new to me as I looked at this this week, is this first contrast. I love this. The body that is sown is perishable, it's raised imperishable. And I'm not a linguist, but um, what I read this week is that those words perishable and imperishable, they don't refer to a status or a quality. They refer to a process. So it's not so much that the body we have now is going to perish. Of course, it will perish one day. But it's, it's that actually it's currently subject to a process of perishing. So what this one theologian I came across, what he says is, uh, let's see if I can find this quote. He says, it, this word perishable denotes 
decreasing capacities, increasing weakness, ready exhaustion. Anyone who has even begun to experience symptoms of being middle-aged will know only too well what this process signifies. Our earthly bodies, he says, begin to perish quite early on in life. I hope you don't mind me missing. I rather smiled to myself when I read that as I sort of contemplated the fact that as we gather listening to 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, I'm probably the one of, if not the youngest person in the room. So any sympathy that I might be able to get from people here in describing that my sort of, my body is getting older, probably I'm going to get laughed out of church by people who know much better than I do um, that the body is winding down, that the ageing process takes place and our bodies are decreasing. We look in the mirror and we think, gosh, that person has got older. The, 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 the march of time has progressed. The laws of thermodynamics have, have taken their course. I've been undergoing this process by which I've been perishing. Have a look at this picture. I thought, um, can we have uh, this picture of the Queen? Is this going to come up? Yeah, here we go. Have a look at that. Amazing Queen. 70 years she's been Queen. Isn't it just extraordinary? It's the same person. She's the same Queen, same body. But that's the process, isn't it? She's been not to put too fine a point on it, perishing. But the amazing thing about this, have a look back at this, the body that is sown is perishable, it's been doing that, but it is raised imperishable. What does that mean? Not just that the body we will have won't perish, but that it will do the exact opposite of what the bodies that we have now. So here's that writer again. By contrast, imperishable denotes not simply the negation of decay, but if decay is a process, the opposite of decay is the reversal of decay, ever-increasing vitality and strength. Amazing. The, body, the, the resurrection body we'll have will do the opposite of that. What a hope. Who wants one of those? Wouldn't that be amazing? We might think, thanks, we could probably get rid of the, the slide now. But if we're here going, how? How can this be tr- true? How can it be possible? I can't imagine, I can't conceive of it. Well, Paul says, look to the crea- creation, look at a seed. You couldn't imagine that that could be anything so brilliant. And yet, from that small seed can grow a huge tree. He said, look to the creator. He's done it once. He's created a brilliant life already. He'll do it again. He says, look to Jesus Christ, the first fruits of those who are already risen from the dead. Imperishable, powerful, glorious, spiritual. What a hope we have. Let's pray. Lord, we can hardly conceive of it. We can't imagine how there can be a resurrection body. And yet we say it every week. We're about to say it in a moment. We're about to say the creed, I believe in the resurrection of the body. We say that, but it's so difficult to imagine how it can be possible. But I pray for those of us who here this morning are struggling, would you give us faith? Maybe there are some of us here this morning who were a bit like the Corinthians and said, actually, we don't believe it at all. They were very sceptical. Lord, I pray that you just, maybe there's a shaft of light, a chink that's opened up perhaps in that doubt this morning. Would you shine through and give us the faith we need to have the hope that you want us to have? Maybe those of us who know all too well the frailty of the body that we have now. Please, Lord, would you 
get us so excited. Help us to know that our, our hope for this life, we're so grateful for doctors and for nurses and for medicine and for the NHS and the wonderful things they can do to prolong the bodies that we have now. But we know that our ultimate hope is not in this body to be um, uh, kept going infinitely, but for us to be given a new body. Please would you give us that great hope this morning. Fill us with joy, fill us with anticipation. Help us to look to Jesus, we ask. In his name we pray. Amen.